You're listening to The Sport Market. Here to rack the bulls and bears of sport business. Your host, Tom Mayonect. It is Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. A lot of storytelling around the biggest names in the game. Coaches, athletes, of course, the players themselves, builders of the sport, media category members. They're all coming together this weekend in Toronto for the traditional Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. And I think it's so appropriate that Hockey Hall of Fame weekend happens coincident with Remembrance Day weekend because they're both about storytelling. They're both about honoring the past and learning from that past to set up an even better future and to cherish the amazing players, coaches, and builders who make hockey what it is. A lot of Hockey Hall of Fame sport business storylines. We'll get into some of them with Ken Richardson, our collectibles guru, our trading card expert. He's from Pastime Sports and Games. He'll join us in about 15 minutes' time. We'll also be joined by John Festinger, talking the good, the bad, and the ugly in the business of sport. We'll roll out our bulls and bears, the biggest winners and losers this week in the business of sport. And we'll begin with our fast podium. Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to thesportmarket.biz. Just off podium, the Sportico NHL valuations. Toronto Maple Leafs top of the class at $2.65 billion in enterprise value. Uh, They lead five of the six original six brands at the top of the Sportico valuations. Uh, Of course, up there are the New York Rangers. The Montreal Canadiens are third at $2.27 billion. So you've got three $2 billion club members and... Really, you go to the other extreme and the Arizona Coyotes are dead last, as you'd expect, given the fact that they're driving revenue on a less than 5,000 seat stadium and they're not even filling that. Having said that, given the strength of the US TV deal, even the weak link for the NHL, the Arizona Coyotes are at $690 million in enterprise value. In the bronze medal position, a number three sport business story of the week, Tiger Woods and company launch TGL, the golf league. Probably not. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it's kind of, you know, on the dovetail, you know, dovetailing that a little bit. Um, but uh, I think the players are, are certainly going to be compensated for, for their efforts and for their time. And, and going forward, we'll see how it works. Uh, Nothing like this has ever been done. I mean, everything has always been an outdoor sport, and now you're making it an indoor sport. So I am very curious to see how it's all going to work. That is Billy Kratzert of the Golf Channel talking about TGL, Tiger Woods and Company, launching the original six franchises, the original six clubs slash cities that will be featured, including Tiger Woods' own Jupiter Golf Club in Florida. Uh, He's a co-investor with David Blitzer there. Some big names investing in TGL, including the San Francisco franchise, Mark Lazary, and of course, none other than Steph Curry, Steve Cohen, 
the venture capitalist who's owner of the New York Mets is in New York. Uh, Alexis Ohanian and the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, are part of the L.A. franchise. Arthur Blank, who owns the NFL's Atlanta Falcons and Major League Soccer's Atlanta FC, he is heading up the Atlanta franchise. And then none other than the owners of the Boston Red Sox, Fenway Sports Group, owning the sixth franchise in Boston. It would be very interesting to see, as Kratzer said there, where this plays. In the silver medal position, a number two sport business story of the week, Craig Council becomes the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball, an $8 million deal over five years. And check it out. Three years into his managing contract, he will have outdid his 16-year career earnings as a player. They totaled $22 million. This hiring of counsel shows that sometimes you can do a good job and still lose your job. Here's John Heyman. Yeah, I man, I think it's that counsel's available. There was no, no word that David Ross was in any kind of trouble. You're right. They finished within a game of Arizona, which went to the World Series. So uh, it was a fine year for the Cubs. David Ross rallied them in the uh, first half to get them in position to become a buyer, not a seller. And they were there right to the end until Arizona took six out of seven from them in, over the final few weeks of the season. So I don't think David Ross did a bad job at all. I think he's a good manager. I think he will get another managing job if if he wants one, but I mean, obviously Craig Council being available five out of six years in the playoffs for the smallest market in baseball. So uh, obviously uh, Craig Council is a coup for whoever gets him. Got him. That's John Heyman, uh, high heat uh, talking about Craig Council, and it's a big deal. It used to be, and we've had Pat Hickey uh, of the Gazette in Montreal on this show, and he talked about the fact that in the earliest days of his career, there wasn't much of a salary difference between the Jean Bellevaux and the players he was covering uh, and everyday Canadians. Now, that's changed astronomically. It used to be that the coaches were so poorly paid compared to the players. Now you've got a lot of coaches making more money than some of the top players in the game. It's really evolved much more of a premium on coaching. Check out the roster. Bill Belichick is the highest paid coach in all of North American professional sport at $20 million a year with the New England Patriots. Monty Williams in the NBA earns $13 million a year. Then you got Craig Council at $8 million. And then the highest paid coach in the NHL is Todd McClellan at $5 million a year. Throw in Nick Saban from uh, college football at $11 million a year in Bama. And uh, John Calipari uh, at $8.5 million. Of course, the king of college basketball. But our number one sport business story of the week, in the gold medal position on the sport market podium funded by Alpine Credits, the NFL opens a Germany office in Dusseldorf after record TV audiences and a sellout crowd at Deutsche Bank Park in Frankfurt. Mahomes quick throw. That's Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice! The Dolphins' comeback fails. They wind up settling for a good, entertaining comeback that drove TV numbers up. The TV numbers were more than twice the previous high for a European early morning NFL game. They're the highest NFL Network morning game in history. We'll get into that with John Festinger later on in the program. But first, we'll check out our Bulls and Bears. It's time for the Bulls and Bears of sports business. Winners and losers in the business of sports. 
the fast rising stocks and the ones who've fallen. For those of you listening here on the West Coast, the Canucks making a lot of headlines, creating a lot of buzz. Uh, the surprising Canucks continuing to ride the hot hands of Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and Brock Besser. Excellent goaltending and impressive defensive structure. And also a high-performing supporting cast. The result is a surprising 10-2-1 record going into the weekend, one that is second only to the defending Stanley Cup champion Las Vegas Golden Knights in the Pacific Division and the third best overall in the NHL behind the 11-1-1 Boston Bruins and 11-2-1 Vegas. If there's a poster child for performing above expectations, it's hedge coach Rick Tockett and the Canucks who are reaping the dividends of big spikes in ticket sales, strong sponsor interest and engagement, and regular season television and radio audiences that are quickly approaching the franchise's best since 2012. After being the Canadian darling on the late Hockey Night in Canada telecast the past two weeks, an overtime loss to the New York Rangers a couple of weeks ago, and then last week a disciplined 2 nothing win over the Dallas Stars before a bullish average national audience of 911,000, the Canucks shift to 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern as the featured early game Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, the Leafs have cooled off on the ice, uh, uh, 7, uh, 5, and 2 going into the weekend, but they're red hot off the ice, receiving the nod this week as the richest NHL franchise, according to Sportico. Toronto's worth is pegged at $2.65 billion U.S., a significant 25% year-over-year increase in enterprise value. Sportico has the Canucks in 13th place at $1.2 billion. Now, the rest of the group of seven Canadian-based franchises are... The Montreal Canadiens in third place at 2.27 bill. The enigmatic Edmonton Oilers, eighth at 1.59 billion. The Calgary Flames, 17th at 1.16 billion. And the Ottawa Senators, 27th at 950 million. Exactly what Michael Andlauer and company paid for them just a couple of weeks ago. And the Winnipeg Jets are 28th at 925 million. Now, it'll be interesting to see what variance, if any, shown in the Forbes magazine list of NHL franchise valuations, one that is due out in early December. And when it comes to the Bears of the Week, listen, if you'd asked me last month, it would have been unfathomable to me that we would be wondering whether or not the Oilers, featuring two of the very best superstars in the game, and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, had hit rock bottom in this young NHL season. But here we are. After what has to be considered an extremely embarrassing 3-2 loss to the San Jose Sharks on Thursday night at the SAP Center, the 2-9-1 Oilers are barely ahead of the 2-10-1 Sharks. And those two teams are 31st and 32nd, respectively, in the 32-team NHL. Talk about 32 thoughts. <laughs> you know That's a far fall from being picked by many to win the Stanley Cup next spring. In what could be a stat line from Ripley's Believe It or Not, the Canucks have now moved into second place behind the plus 1,100 Leafs as Canada's current Stanley Cup favorites, albeit at plus 2,500, according to DraftKings. That and the performance of the other Canadian-based teams make the 30th anniversary tributes to the 1993 Montreal Canadiens this weekend even more poignant and arguably painfully nostalgic, given they are the last team north of the 49th parallel to have won Lord Stanley's mug. And on that note... The Habs are the biggest Canadian long shots to win the Stanley Cup this season at plus 20,000. Those are our bulls and bears in the business of sport this week here on the sport market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Next up, 
Ken Richardson, our collectibles guru, sets the stage for us coming from the Toronto Sport Card Expo, which is the largest hockey card show in the world. Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games next, right here on the Sport Market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Sport Market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. The Senators have given up a power play goal. They've given up seven power play goals against in the last seven. There's that. <laughs> Leas Pedersen right off the draw. Ripped it home. And Pedersen makes it 5-2. One of the biggest stories in the National Hockey League so far this season, and again, we're well south of the American Thanksgiving weekend, which tends to be a very reliable indicator of playoff qualification even months before uh, the end of the season in April but you can't take anything away from the 10-2-1 start that the Canucks have had and any hockey fan from across the country will marvel at their plus 33 goal differential it is absolutely astonishing how their best players have been exactly what a winning team needs being their best players Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games is our collectibles guru. He is our trading card expert, and he comes to us this weekend from the Toronto in Mississauga. It's not only the second largest card show in North America behind the National, it is the largest hockey card show in the world. And uh, Ken Richardson, uh, uh, admittedly on the retail side, a strong business interest in the show, but he is above and beyond a collector in the hobby. He's like a kid in a candy store. And Ken, it must feel so gratifying to feel the energy from the crowds at the International Center because attendance seems to be going up each and every year absolutely there's uh quite the buzz in the room and uh i would guess that it's likely the largest attendance they've ever had and likely attributed to the autograph lineup that they have here today uh, obviously a, a a big roster uh, including uh, uh Rick Flair, Mike Tyson. Uh be careful uh, when you approach Tyson for an autograph Ken. We would uh, like you to ha- to be able to continue appearing on the sport market. <laughs> yes, I've seen a couple clips from uh from the movie Hangover and uh he's a lot bigger than me so I don't think it would go my way. What's the big headline outside of great attendance and great, you know, fan and collector engagement? Uh, what what is striking you about the show from a a, a, a a business trend perspective? Well, just the overall growth in the industry itself. Uh, year over year, we're seeing more and more collectors come into the market, and uh, whether they're sharing it with with another family member or just all their friends, it's a growing trend. Ken, uh, you know, obviously hockey cards are the big domain. We've been tracking Connor Bedard for more than the last year in terms of his projected impact on on, on the hobby. Uh, four points the other night, some, uh, more highlight reel uh, uh, goals last night. Uh, is he meeting the hype in your view so far? Absolutely. And uh, we haven't seen anything like it since 1516 when Connor McDavid came into the marketplace. And if he continues to perform uh, essentially every product along with it that uh, is released with him included in it, 
is going to perform as well. I've asked you this before, but how important is it from an overall upside point of view that he was drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks, a heritage brand, an original six franchise with a lot of history and a strong national following, especially in the United States? Oh, well, we're definitely in a supply and demand market. And the larger market you can go to, uh, whether it be a media market, fan base, and certainly a heritage brand, um, that all leads to success when you're when you're in the memorabilia slash trading card business. We're talking to Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. He's our collectibles guru. He's coming to us from the floor at the Toronto Sport Card Expo at the International Centre of Mississauga, right near Lester B. Pearson International. Uh, this is certainly a big hockey card show, but. It's shown a lot of growth on two fronts. Uh, One is other sports, basketball, baseball, as an example. How much of a buzz has there been on the floor this week on the new Shohei Otani, Babe Ruth, uh, the the pair of one-on-ones, one one with both of them as pitchers, one with both of them as hitters? That uh, 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 dropped this week. And then... Uh, what about LeBron James um, being prepared to step up and really sign his first cards in more than a decade because Upper Deck didn't have the NBA license. He didn't do cards. But now there's the card of him and his son, uh, Bronny James, uh, that is going to be uh, licensed under the, the Tops brand. Uh, any discussion on the floor of those two uh, big um, uh, collectible storylines this week? Uh, there's not a lot of discussion at this point, uh, but once those particular cards uh, hit the market, uh, we're definitely going to hear a lot of a buzz about them because of the prices that they're going to be able to achieve. Now, this is a big hockey uh, Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, Explain the buzz on the floor. You've got not only two Toronto Maple Leafs games uh, 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 against uh, uh, Canadian opponents. You've got Monday night's uh, Hockey Hall of Fame induction. Uh, The actual game tonight, Hockey Night in Canada, features the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, There's certainly no shortage of of storytelling uh, if you're a hockey fan and, and a hockey collector. Yeah, Hall of Fame weekend always has a lot of a lot of interest around it, and I think that's part of the reason that of the two shows that are put on at the Expo Center each year, the between the Hall of Fame weekend and the release of Upper Deck Flagship, um, it, it certainly adds a lot of interest around the market. We've got Ken Richardson for another 60 seconds here on the sport market. Uh, Ken, uh, what else should we be thinking about uh, based on what you've seen at the Toronto Sport Card Expo uh, to shape the the sector in the coming weeks and months? What what should we be uh, looking for? Well, collectibles in general, we're, we're still seeing lots of growth in the collectible trading card market. Um, Pokemon has been really, really strong for, for years now, but there's the emergence of a new trading card game, uh, Disney Lorcana, which has been very, very popular and, and uh, production numbers haven't been able to meet, meet demand. And of course, the, the memorabilia, the people that are collecting the, the signed jersey, photo, puck, um, that's always a real buzz here as well. 
can look forward to teaming up with you to co-host Pastime Radio, the collectible show on the Sportsnet Radio Network uh, later in the weekend. Enjoy the show, make the most of it, and we'll uh, uh, look forward to uh, uh, teaming up later. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. He is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. You can reach him at ken at pastimesports.ca. Checking in on the group of seven, the seven Canadian-based franchises in the National Hockey League, if the playoffs began today, three of the seven teams would be in them. They are the Toronto Maple Leafs at 7-5-2 and two after the OT win uh, uh, against the uh, Calgary Flames last night. They've got 16 points. The Winnipeg Jets are at 7-4-2 and two in the Central uh, Division. They would qualify as a divisional uh, uh, team. And then the Vancouver Canucks are second only to the Vegas Golden Knights in the Pacific. They're at 10-2-1. and one. Uh, On both fronts, it makes uh, the Saturday night Toronto-Vancouver showdown between the Leafs and the Canucks pretty important stuff uh, admittedly early in the season but it's as big a game as they come for both those two teams uh, Montreal's at 6-5 and 2 Ottawa 12 um, uh, 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 5 and 7 and then of course uh, you've got uh, the Edmonton Oilers 31st out of 32 teams 31st out of 32 teams at 2 9 and 1 Next up, we check out the good, the bad, and the ugly, and our penny stocks. Some of the smallest sport business storylines that could make it to the big board in the coming weeks and months. We'll be joined by John Festinger. Give us his legal take on the good, the bad, and the ugly. Weigh in on the podium and also check out those penny stocks, which are the smallest sport business storylines that could make it to the big board in the coming weeks and months. You're listening to us rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the sport market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the sport market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manek. Out to hell. Goes lower, balls loose. It is loose and picked up and rattled. Brian Cook. Touchdown. Kansas City. And the Kansas City Chiefs wind up holding on against the Miami Dolphins. Big game in the AFC. Dolphins, of course, off to a great start, but the Kansas City Chiefs remain kings of the castle. Patrick Mahomes Jr. doing his thing, just being Patrick Mahomes Jr., and doing so at Deutsche Bank Park in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, The first full-scale NFL game there, and the first American football game there since 2007 when NFL Europe um, uh, disbanded. But what a performance. For the second year in a row, Germany has indicators even more impressive than the games being held in London and the UK. Here, 50,000 fans pack Deutsche Bank Park, home of Eintracht Frankfurt of the German Bundesliga. More than 9 million is the average American national audience, which is almost twice what Brady, the Buccaneers, and the Seattle Seahawks drew last year in, in, um, in Munich. And so big deal 
in a big way for the NFL. It's the most watched NFL Network morning game in the network's history and the first time since 2015 that you've had this kind of numbers. And again, last year, five and a half uh, million uh, was the American audience. Now you've got nine million. And this is the week that the NFL announces a new permanent office in Germany in Dusseldorf. John Festinger joins us here on the sport market. And John, we'll just go there very quickly. Uh, the NFL has always lagged behind the NBA in terms of global marketing, largely because of how international uh, the sport of basketball is. Obviously, soccer is a global game. Baseball has had its Asian footprint and its South American and Central American footprints. They've always been predisposed to looking outside of the United States. But up until, you know, recently, uh, and when I say recently, last quarter century, uh, there really wasn't too much incursions outside of the U.S., but wow, with the games in London, not one but two stadiums there in the U.K., and now these games in Germany, plans um, in Mexico, and, and ultimately plans to, to come to Toronto for a regular season game, the NFL is putting its best foot forward in terms of global market. But I, I think you actually hit on the key word here. Um, because the forays into around the world have previously felt a bit haphazard, and they didn't always have follow through. They were a shot here, a shot there. Not part you, of a sustained campaign. You get the feeling, Tom, and and you're you're an expert in this that they actually have a plan now. That somehow in the last two, three years, they developed a really detailed rollout plan, and they're really just in phase one of that. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see the march as they go through. They have an amazing product. They, they, they're, they're, they're trying, I think, to address demand that they've identified properly and and roll into world domination because I suspect nothing else will uh, satisfy the NFL but world domination. Uh, that's not only our gold medal story on the podium funded by Alpine Credits, it's also part of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And also in the good, the MBA's approach, we mentioned it, to global marketing. They're, of course, very, very big in terms of Mexico City. Uh, the Orlando Magic-Atlanta Hawks game, the 32nd game in Mexico City. The NBA has 21 employees in Mexico. Uh, Mexico City has a G League team and a 2K um, uh, video uh, team and they're ninth in league past subscriptions. That market in Mexico City is ninth. It's a top 10 NFL market in terms of subscriptions. Sorry, uh, in, in terms of NBA subscriptions. Uh, it, it just shows you that basketball especially propped up by two forms of Olympic competition, both men and women, but then also five and five and three on three. Uh, NBA is is even hotter outside of the U.S. than you may argue it is in the U.S. Well, you can, you can make that argument and, and possibly validly so. But what's really striking about that, again, is where the NFL feels like a bit more of a you know, we have a plan and there's a forced march here. The NBA strategy feels a little more organic, a little bit more bottom-up. 
Um, and and really, let's 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 be straight about what the competition is. This is about soccer. This is about what game is going to. We're on a whole new tier here. What game is going to be the world's game fifty years from now? When we're long gone, what is the world's game? Is it basketball? Is it the NFL, NFL brand of football, or is it European football? Right now, there's no question it's European football um, that we call soccer. But we're, we're now in a big game, pardon the pun, quite intentional, uh, a big game play. Uh, also, in business of sport, the promotion of women's sport in general and women's soccer in particular. We've talked about... 2015, the FIFA Women's World Cup uh, held here in Canada, being at that tipping point. A lot of tipping points have happened yet. North, uh, North, um, uh, North American, the Women's Soccer League, 1 million fans this year. Angel City FC in Los Angeles, worth $180 million franchise valuation. Uh, the average team in the NWSL has 37 sponsors. Uh, and now, of course, the big enchilada, a $240 million deal over four years. So $60 million of media rights. It includes the production value and sponsor volume. That's 40 times their previous $1.5 million deal. We are seeing a sea change in women's professional sports. We are. But let's also bring this into the larger question of world domination in sports. Soccer is that we're talking about 50 percent of the world is women. Soccer is clearly 51 percent. 51 percent. There we yes. go. Come on. Let's get our stats. Uh, uh, right. Sorry about that. Um, but half the over half the world is women um and soccer is way ahead but who is number 2 in promoting their sport and elevating their sport into a woman's game the nba and i would say that's also part of the world domination play and this is where the nfl lags and they're going to have to approach it a different way and the nhl has an opportunity and we'll see if they can uh, if they can capture that opportunity. I mean, this is a, a, a part of the sport market pitch, arguably. But NFL needs to uh, really take the next step with flag football. They're doing it with the Pro Bowl, which is very very smart. Why not have real flag football instead of? pretend tackle football but on the women's side of things there is an opportunity for them to reach a lot more female fans and female um, uh, users so to speak through flag football last in the category of good practices in the business of sport and it's such a a showcase case study in how you say goodbye to sports fans in a very very elegant fashion here's toronto's joey Votto, part of his goodbye video to the cincinnati reds and fans of the reds i want to speak directly to you all after yesterday's news um i just want to say thank you um, you know, if this is the last time I'll play as a Cincinnati Red, I want to speak out loud my gratitude. I want to thank uh, the community. I want to thank uh, Cincinnati for being so welcome, welcoming. 
That's Canadian Joey Votto. The big question is, of course, what happens now? But there's no question as to the class and the best practice, the way he addressed with his eyes to his own video uh, phone, uh, saying goodbye the right way is textbook for a lot of other athletes to follow suit, the way they talk to their fans. Well, the key is, and, and you know this key very well, is that it didn't appear scripted. That doesn't mean he didn't come into the video with an idea of what he wanted to say, but he said it in his own words in a natural way, um, and it wasn't canned, and it was sincere. And th- that's, that, that creates connection. Um, And that's so important. It's so important in terms of where he is next. It's so important that he's going to just have baseball fans cheering for him wherever he goes. In the category of bad, and I say bad with a small B, because this is still going to be a big success. It's still going to make a lot of money, and it will grow into a big deal on the F1 landscape in the United States. We're talking about the collapse of the Vegas ticket market for the F1 next week. I mean, part of that is poor weather forecasts. Part of it is a lack of um, uh, drama, Max Verstappen running away with the, um, uh, the, the driver's title. What do you think about the fact that there are uh, you know, almost 10,000 tickets still remaining unsold for the Vegas event? Well, you know, and, and I'm sorry to impose any of my kind of personal bias on this, but when they announced Vegas, I thought, hey, that would be a really cool place to go. But... All of us who thought that way, and I think I was, sim- I, 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 I represented probably a lot of F1 fans, were like, no, no, this is way too expensive. All the tickets are at this incredibly high level. It was so hyped, now turns out to be overhyped because there is availability that it wasn't a natural process. They were trying to build up pent up demand, but they overhyped it. Um, and left it vulnerable. So I don't actually believe that it's because Verstappen is dominating. Whether maybe, the lack of contemporary drama well, that isn't a big that no isn't a for factor. a first race in Vegas. Right. There should for, be a honeymoon period for sure. Yeah, they uh, they way overdid that. They told us all you'll never be able to get tickets at any reasonable price. So we made other plans, and now they want us and need us and. You know, that's that's too hard to do two weeks in front of the event. We're going to get to our ugly practices this week in the business of sport next up, along with our penny stocks, some of the smaller sport business storylines that could make it to the big board in the coming weeks and months. Keep it locked right here on the sport market where we're rating and debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Sport Market on Sportsnet 650. Just going to quickly finish up the good, the bad, and the ugly in the business of sport with John Festinger and then get into some penny stocks, some of the smaller sport business storylines that could make it to the big board in the coming weeks and months. Uh, John, uh, we've talked a lot of good. Uh, National Women's Soccer League, NBA Global Marketing, the class of Joey Votto. We've talked some bad, the collapse of the Vegas ticket market, but we haven't talked ugly yet. And certainly... If you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, what's happening with the team is in the category of ugly. The Oilers are 31st in the league 
only the San Jose Sharks are poorer and the Sharks won that toilet bowl matchup. That had to be embarrassing. And what is next? What happens next? Is there any possibility that Jay Woodcroft is able to protect his turf and remain as head coach given the performance so far? Well, given how far the Oilers went last year in the NHL, I I don't envision a circumstance where Woodcraft, where Jay Woodcroft doesn't serve out to the end of his term. I mean, it's demonstrable that firing a coach um, partway through the year usually doesn't work. We note the ones that do work. And if it works, it's a short-time buzz for the most part. There there are a couple that have worked, but many more have not worked. Well, that's the point. Overall, you don't want to play those odds. Um, And Woodcroft deserves the year given what he's accomplished in the past. I I think what's happening here is Connor McDavid physically is not Connor McDavid, but Connor McDavid's mind is Connor McDavid. So the demand for for the team to be around him while he's not 100% is creating imbalances. And at, at the pro level, at the level that the NHL is at, anything that's a little bit off um can create very grave consequences and every and anything that's a little bit right you know the canucks for example are playing much better with a very similar group than they had last year that 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 was pretty terrible and underachieving and yet many of the players have stayed the same and they're one of the the top teams in the NHL thus far so the the difference between winning and losing at the pro level is a lot smaller than we think sometimes let's get into some penny stocks some of the smaller stories that could make it to the big board and I start with uh, FTX the crypto exchange of course Sam Bankman Freed uh, sentenced this week now that that's out of the way there's a lot of attention on those who endorsed uh, FTX uh, through sponsorship. And listen, there's always a risk on both sides in terms of that kind of association. But do you see Tom Brady, Shaq, Steph Curry, and others having to deal with a lot of grief? Or do you think most um, uh, people who were burned by FTX understand that uh, to an extent Brady, Shaq, and Curry were also burned? Well, there's going to be lawsuits. Um, whether the celebrities have been burned or not uh, is a matter of were they paid or not. And they were paid. So, I, I, you know, their reputations have been burned. I don't see a problem with their reputation. They're deservedly burned. But should they have more legal liability than that? Um, And that's going to turn on whether it was foreseeable to them uh, as celebrities that there was something really wrong here. Ought they to have known that? And I doubt that's going to be the case, but we'll see as it plays out in court. We were talking about the F1 race coming up in Las Vegas. It's another penny stock. Netflix doing its first ever live sports event. And the sports event pits, uh, and it's called, of course, the Netflix Netflix Cup. It pits F1 drivers and PGA pros uh, playing against each other at the Wynn Golf Club. Lando Norris, Ricky Fowler among the, among the tandems. It's called Swing to Survive. It's November 14th. How much more does Netflix have up its sleeve? Oh, well, Netflix, all broadcasters um, are distinctly unoriginal in some way. 
if they f- all of entertainment is if you find something that works if you happen into it you will do a sequel uh you will twist things into a sequel that's what this is whether it's any good we'll have to see and we'll go from there uh, another penny stock uh, on the streaming side of things. The NBA G League has just done a deal with Fox-owned Tubi, T-U-B-I. And uh, again, it's raising the specter as to how many more streamers will be occupying prime uh, major league investments. And you'd have to think that it's just the beginning. Oh, on that, that's not a penny stock to me. That is a really smart bet. Uh, buy, 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 because streaming and sports is very much the future as broadcasted traditional media declines in its ability to pay for uh, ever-increasing prices for sports events. A related penny stock, uh, uh, Disney Uh, confirming that uh, the plans for ESPN's direct-to-consumer platform will be uh, available and ready on target for the year 2025. Uh, This is not just ESPN+, Plus; this is direct-to-consumer. Again, they'll be followed by a lot of others following exactly that route. Yeah, no, and and this is just space and it's more than increasing choice it it is actually increasing audience and reaching deeper and wider than before so uh it you know the whole internet uh unbounded by geography becomes the playing field uh, another penny stock in the basketball side of things, the NBA considering expanding its draft to two days. I'm surprised it's taken this long to get to that stage because the NBA's offseason is arguably part of the fun and games that some fans find even more entertaining than the actual regular season. Uh, but I think you can consider that a slam dunk moving forward. And then lastly, John, the in-season tournament, a, a good little bump in, in, in TV ratings so far, NBA off to a good start. How long before the NHL follows suit with a similar in-season tournament? Um, two years, three years, that tends to be the NHL's lag time. That is basically within... This decade, as as far as you're concerned, for sure. Uh, you know the 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 NHL is not high on the originality scale under Gary Bettman. Um, you know they they do what works for them, uh, and if they see something work somewhere else, they'll be on it. He's John Festinger. I'm Tom Manick. Tino Farah in the producer's chair. We're all happy to have had you along for the ride here. If you missed any part of the show, you can follow us on. At the Sport Market, T H E Sport Market. Uh, you can also check out our podcast at the Sportsnet uh, Radio uh, CA slash six fifty, and certainly subscribe where you get your podcasts and uh, we'll uh, look forward to hearing from you in terms of feedback as to what you think should be on the show. Big weekend for the Canadian Football League. It's the divisional finals in Winnipeg with the BC Lions in town and the Montreal Alouettes travel to Toronto. Good news for the Argos. More than 25,000 tickets have been sold for that event at BMO Field. First time ever Argos at BMO has been handled that way. You've been listening to The Sport Market on this Remembrance Day weekend.